Welcome to X-Rated Movies. Uh, this is a movie podcast by two guys who used to date. Now they don't. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Whedon. I'm another one of your hosts, Matthew Fisher. And it's Christmas in December, ladies and gentlemen. Ho, ho, ho. And we have a special package under the Christmas tree oh, today. We're unwrapping it and... <gasps> It's Jessica Baxter, everybody. Hey. Oh. <laughs> Jessica. Hi. I'm glad you let me out of that box. <laughs> it's been a while. There was an air hole. <laughs> Boxing Singular. Jessica over there. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so yeah. glad you're here too. to celebrate our Christmas in December with us during COVID. <laughs> Yeah, I think the last time we saw you was a womb. Is that correct? I think that's correct, yes. Where we fucking closed down the bars, but only (laughs) through my apartment. I had trouble finding my car after I left. (laughs) I don't think I ever told you guys that. Uh, I walked around the block a couple times. (laughs) I just remember it was like 1 a.m. and we were debating as to how sexist Brian De Palma is. So I was like, Ryan had never seen Dressed to Kill. I was like, we'll put this on. We'll let Ryan decide. <laughs> and then it's, you know, the beginning of it is just Angie Dickinson washing herself in the shower. And I just remember you go, I have a family. <laughs> and you just got up and left. We're done. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I well, can't do this. But then I watched that movie later. Oh. <laughs> I am a huge Brian De Palma fan. Oh my God, that movie's so good. I've it's recently so good. seen it all the way through. I can't deny the problematic elements of it, but no. I just, I as we discussed in the blowout episode, I don't think the movie stands on the objectification of women. It just is a very good movie that has that in it as well. Sure. And we like the objectification of men in movies, yeah. and we like our movies to be good, and we want these things to collide from time to time. Why not? So, do we need Angie Dickinson watching her her, her cooch at the very beginning? Uh, maybe yeah. not. I mean, you gotta wash it. <laughs> I mean, and technically, it's a stunt cooch, so yeah. you know, yeah, body Is double. It really? it's yeah, not her. It's, no, no, yeah. It's a, Blanche Devereaux. Yeah, uh, according was, to Golden Girls, uh, famously said that uh, it's a rumor, like she loved to spread that she was the body double for Angie, G- Angie Dickinson in that movie. Thank God, I don't like Barbara Thorndike. Oh. I think she's a phony. Oh, this from a woman who tells her dates that she was Angie Dickinson's body double and dressed to kill. That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like. We've been spending time together during this time because we've been doing, the three of us have been doing a lot of Netflix watching parties together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We saw Ark. Ark. <laughs> good, good Times. Was that what it was? Good Time? Good Time? Good, Ar- maybe no, one time. time. No, what was it? No, Good Time. Good Time. I think it's one good Cause, time. Because there's High Life and then there's Good right. Time. Robert Pattinson. Yeah. And, yeah. and Robert Pattinson's in both those movies and... I always had to remember high life, good time. <laughs> Got it. But yeah, the autopsy of Jane Doe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then that, whatever that werewolf movie with Brad Dourif was. I can't remember oh, was with Liv Tyler. First or something. That's right, Liv Tyler. Yeah. Something like that. Something Agent like that. Cooper, the Super Trooper. <laughs> That's right. But uh, uh, you have a podcast, Peyton Puke, which yeah. focuses more on. Uh, Less male-oriented stories, I guess we'll say. It's, fem- it's entirely female-driven narratives. That's so, our one... Uh, well, we say at the beginning it's movies about something other than man. So I was thinking we could probably do, you know... 
drag queens. Dra- I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out a way we can watch uh, Priscilla Queen of the Desert. Uh, so I'm like, hey, that's about a drag drag queens and a trans woman. I like Peyton Puke because it gives me an insight to a world I know nothing about. Uh, specifically moms. Like <laughs> We have two moms, one non mom. <laughs> Child free person. I don't even have She's a dog mom. <laughs> I don't even have siblings, so it's like I I never even saw my own mom go through the mom process. <laughs> so one of my favorite episodes of, of yours is is on Tully, the oh, uh, the yeah. Reitman Diablo Cody joint. And a lot of what I liked about it is that you guys or you guys, you ladies, <laughs> talk about how they hit upon a bunch of universal, or what seems to be universal mom things, or like uh, especially new mom things, that I don't think I've actually seen depicted in a movie before. Yes. Because that was a movie that I would wanted to watch, so when your episode dropped, I watched it first and then listened to the podcast, and there was things like how you talked about how you know, when you had one of your kids like that and uh, sitting sort of absorbing late night television <laughs> is, is like part of being a new mom. Like yeah. you're just burnt out, like breastfeeding, watching whatever's on between like 10 and like 1 a.m. And you were talking about how you rewatched uh, Twin Peaks during <laughs> that time. And in Tully, she's watching uh, Gigolos. <laughs> And she, like, knows the characters and, like, their place in the universe (laughs) and how she's, like, slightly embarrassed when she, like, says it out loud. And I'm I'm like, oh, is this a thing? And so, like, you all were talking about that. But then, like, also on Conan O'Brien's podcast, he he talked about how new moms are actually, like, a big part of, like, the late night, like, audience. Oh. And that really frequently when he had, like, the, what was it, like, the 1230 to 130 slot that like new moms like when like walking out on the street would like approach him and be able to give like detailed critiques of like the show that week (laughs) because like they had just been like up all night breastfeeding and watching late night shows but like it was like a weird sort of like they were really in tune to it like they weren't tuning it out or it wasn't something on for background like yeah. they were still watching it intently because you're all internal. You <laughs> yeah. have this huge internal life that is very solitary. So because a lot of the time your partner is asleep the whole time this is happening. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you're you're uh, you're all episodes on on Tully kind of like woke me up to like a, a facet of humanity that I didn't know anything about. That's <laughs> and, awesome. And the the late night new mom viewing schedule. <laughs> Wow, that's cool. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and one of your hosts Ooh. brings their kid on. So, like, I love that that's right. part, too. Yeah. Like, that's a nice that's a nice touch, too. Um, would you ever bring um, your kids on? Maybe, if we ever watched movies that my kids could watch. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, they're still young. They're still young. Yeah. Amy's so. child is 13, so it's they're able to watch. It's actually been really exciting that we've been able to introduce them to this whole new world of... They're really into horror movies right now, and mm, they want to okay. be like, what what horror movies can I watch next? Um, and my children are still way too young for... A lot of our a lot of our movies are adult-oriented. Yeah. <laughs> we very infrequently do children's movies. I don't know. I mean, I, I, was, I was thinking we have an episode of Okja coming up. Well, it will be out by now, but... Um, and I was like, should my kids watch Okja? And then I'm like, no, nah, maybe they shouldn't. <laughs> it's kind of violent. <laughs> That's on the fence. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know how. 
Yeah, what's the age for that? I'd say maybe like early teens is okay. Like 15, 14, 15 is probably yeah. the, the, yeah. the cutoff there. My oldest is going to be 11 in two months. So. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. still a little young. It's <laughs> creeping up, young. but... Yeah. No, I, I don't, don't remember how old the girl is supposed to be in that movie. Um, I think she's thirteen or fourteen. Yeah, she uh, seems younger than she is. You're right on the verge. Yeah, I'd give him a couple more years. Yeah, thirteen but. seems like the sweet spot. Yeah, listeners, if you're not listening to Paid and Puke, but you listen to this podcast, what the fuck is your problem? <laughs> like they, they are, they are like us, but with a. a better breadth like a different breadth like, <laughs> yeah i don't know yeah. like they're, they're bringing they're bringing what we we're bringing but like a different perspective like i feel like you're like our our sister podcast like i just love oh i love i love what your choices thank you <laughs> and i love i mean i love what you're doing like with uh production too these days like when mm-hmm. when <laughs> I laughed really hard when you're like, it's Mario Lopez. Like, <laughs> the stuff you did with that drop was great. Like it was, it was perfect. Like I don't know. Like if if you enjoy what we're doing on this podcast, check out Paid and Puke. It's good. Yeah. Thank you. That's Absolutely. A, I highly recommend. Very flattered by that because you you guys have a truly one of my favorite podcasts. Also. Oh. oh. Also, I don't know if if the other ladies have have stuff on Twitter, but I love Jessica's Twitter feed. Like you tweeted something once that like still rattles around in my brain <laughs> that one of your kids came up with like a spectrum for boob size yes, that's right my, my, my son Frankie did <laughs> did we talk about this on I don't remember I don't, what don't entirely it was but I personally have blobby chongas that's right <laughs> very large I just like the idea that if you ever need to to uh uh explain the idea of something being on a spectrum you can be like just like boobs <laughs> you know sexuality gender autism it's all like boobs <laughs> and the one at the far end is blobby chungus <laughs> Jessica, would you like to say what today's movie is? It's like a fucking fairy tale. It's in Bruges. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> I don't know if this is the most Christmassy movie we've done this season, but they do at least say Christmas. Like, the hotel's booked up. It takes place up. at Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the hotels are booked up because it's Christmas. A hundred percent. Also, um, I don't know. Maybe this is too early to put this pin in because it's going to come back, but like... I think the Christmas setting is important. Yeah. I mean, we definitely have to talk about that <laughs> at so some point. Maybe I don't want to do it right now because we got to lay some groundwork. We're going to do a little yeah. table setting. Here. Yeah. Because, boy, I'm going st- to start off. I'm putting my... <laughs> He's coming in hot, folks. <laughs> coming He's in adjusting hot. in the seat. Here's the thing. This is my first time watching this movie. And I have two huge disconnects coming in because I was wildly unprepared for the movie I was supposed to see. Number one, the trailer. It doesn't prepare you for the movie D- you're going to see. Does it paint it as like a, a comedy or does it paint it as like It a- paints it as mostly a comedy and like also sort of a like snatch or sexy beast style like crime mm. thriller with like some like action elements to it. I-, I was thinking like, is it trying to make it look like, what's that 
movie, the the guys who go around killing bad people. Uh, 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 but they're they're vigilantes. No, I, I know what you're talking about. Um, they're they're two uh, people. Catholic. Willem Dafoe's in the movie. They're like Catholic. Oh, Boondock Saints. Boondock Saints. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah. It's exactly. I was gonna say, did it try and paint it to be like Boondock 100%. Saints? hundred percent. Like yeah. that's the trailer is so misleading. After I killed them, I walked home to await instructions. Get to Bruges. 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 Where's that? It's in Belgium. For two weeks. In Bruges, in a room like this, with you? No way. This movie made me think like this is going to be a fun uh, Soderbergh-esque romp through Europe, and wrong. Yeah. Number two, my parents. To- I remember my very clearly my parents telling me we watched a movie called In Bruges and we really liked it. Your and, parents liked this movie? Well, well <laughs> so that, now I'm like, I 100% question that because I'm like, this does not seem like a movie they, that is they, up they, their they alley. They watched a travelogue video on YouTube <laughs> called In right. Bruges. I'm sure mean, it wasn't. Yeah. They went to Bruges at some point, and I think that's why they okay. watched the movie. But I, I distinctly remember my mom saying she liked this movie. I'm like, this is not a movie my mom would like. So I have two huge disconnects coming into this, just being like, first thinking like, okay, this is a fun like snatch style fun time action comedy caper yeah yeah and that oh it's one my parents like so this is easily digestible for old people that was not the (laughs) right mindset holy (laughs) shit this movie is none of those things it's dark it's slow it's sad i was i was just so sad so unprepared (laughs) for the movie i got and not to say i didn't like it because i did enjoy it but it was just like I mean, hard shift from what I thought I was getting into. Yeah, I'll say. <laughs> Good I mean, lord. I'm also coming in hot on this one because I haven't. I watched this in theaters. I'm a big Martin McDonough fan. Uh, back in my wayward youth, I had friends who worked at uh, Act Theater uh, in downtown, mm. and because they worked there, they would get me into every play for free. And they did a couple Martin McDonough plays back before this movie came out. So I was familiar with him as a playwright, like, mm-hmm. fairly early on, and, like, they would tell me stories about him as, like, a person, because, like, he came out for the premiere of, like, one play. Granted, I heard the story, like, 15 years ago, so I don't remember all the details, but it was, like, came out for the premiere of a play, they went out drinking, and he was like, if you guys don't get me Coke, I'm gonna go back to Scotland and say that Seattle sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so like they all, they all felt really pressured to like get coke that night and it was like these are all just like theater geeks like they kind of have hookups for it but not really like oh, yeah, that's gonna be a hookups. lot of unfulfilled <laughs> phone calls yeah so and, and this probably would have been like 2002 or three when the story took place is that when they had the like worm medication laced in the coke Oh, probably. maybe. I remember that when that happened. <laughs> I actually could have gotten was... Coke at that point. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Should have called you. So yeah, yeah, it was them like bar hopping and calling people on their like Nokias, <laughs> like trying to score Coke. And like they could never tell if he was like serious about them needing to get it or if he was just like pressuring them because he was like a quote celebrity, like playwrights out for like the premiere of the play but you know long story short they scored some coke and they like did coke and whiskey with martin mcdonough like till like the sun came up that day (laughs) uh but all his plays and his movies kind of 
orbit around the death of either a child or a pet. Like, pets come up a lot in Hmm. his movies and plays. Oh, there's the death of both in this one. Yeah. (laughs) This one really exemplifies that theme of his work. And a little bit of coke. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I know, Matt, you mentioned that you you kind of thought this movie was a little overrated the first time you saw it. How did you feel on Second Watch? Well, Martin McDonough's stuff... Like, the the stuff that I had seen prior, like, his plays are a lot more sardonic than this. Like, it's it's a little closer to uh, Seven Psychopaths, where it's, like, broadly comical a little bit. And this is not. And I remember in theaters thinking that it was a little boring. But the stuff that I thought was boring back in 2007 or 8 is, like, the stuff that I remember the most now. Mm-hmm. Like, Colin Farrell, like, talking, like, when it's just him and, and Brendan Gleeson, like, talking, and he, he, Colin Farrell's saying how, like, there's nothing I can do to undo <sighs> what I did. You didn't mean to kill a little boy. I know I didn't mean to. But because of the choices I made, and the course that I put into action, a little boy isn't here anymore. I'll never be here again. I mean here in the world, not here in Belgium. Well, you'll never be here in Belgium either, will you? I mean, he might have wanted to come here when he got older. Don't know why. And that's all because of me. He's dead because of me. And I'm trying to... I'm trying to get my head around it, but I can't. I will always have killed that little boy. That ain't ever going away. Ever. Unless... Maybe I go away. I'm like, oh my... How did I think this was boring? Oh, right. I was 22. Yeah. Like, that's why I thought it was boring. Like, (laughs) his other stuff is is a little bit more broad, and it's like, it's dark to the point where it's like, comical dark. And like, this isn't. Like, it's regular dark. (laughs) (laughs) What uh, drove you to pick this movie? Jessica, just out of curiosity. Um, I was just looking for unconventional Christmas movies because I don't like Christmas and I don't like Christmas music and I don't like sappy traditional Christmas movies. So I'm always looking for that backdoor Christmas movie. And I was like, what are other movies that take place at Christmas but aren't really Christmas movies? And this one came up and I remembered really liking it when I first saw it and also remembered Colin Farrell being pretty hot in oh it. Oh my god. <laughs> Can I So I was like, let's rewatch this one. <laughs> is is this his finest performance? Like He's so fucking I good in this like, movie. I like Colin yeah. Farrell. I've always thought like, oh, he's a good actor. I've you know, up and down on the movies he's been in, but like I was way impressed yeah. with the acting that he I, was doing. This in was this movie. I think his first like real role because i remember like maxim had him as like you know the the best actor to watch or something like that and it's like well maxim said it so he's just gonna punch some lady in the face in a movie (laughs) (laughs) which he does yeah Yeah, he does (laughs) (laughs) he won't let you down I mean, his character is definitely. A I mean, bit. no, the character is <laughs> reprehensible. But yeah. just like the, the sympathy he uh, gets from me as an audience member for 
being a pretty vile person yeah. Yeah. is surprising. Racist, prejudice in all sorts of ways. Sexist. Killed yeah. a kid. It's just, <laughs> he's, this is a very complex character, yeah. and he realizes every aspect of it. He feels it like a balloon. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I am seeing so much in his portrayal of nameless hitman whose name i can't remember but like ray Ray, yeah he's just honestly our three leads all three like ray finds brendan gleason and uh colin farrell are all i mean top of their game they're all really acting the shit out of this movie and i i really appreciated that aspect of this for sure I love Ray Fiennes' accent in this movie. He never does a working class accent. Mm. <laughs> so that was really nice. I always have to bring up Rafe Fiennes' full name is... I don't have oh, it does up. he have a have really a, long yeah, British name? It's, it's like Rafe Twizzleton <laughs> Wickeham Fiennes. <laughs> and it's, yeah. Oh, dear. I discovered that because I, I looked up uh, the actor who was in... Uh, Fucking uh, Shakespeare in Love, his like oh his Joseph, Joseph. Joseph yeah. yeah, and it's like Twizzleton Wickham finds, and you're like, oh my god, is Joseph finds just Joseph finds? Yeah, probably. <laughs> they gave up with yeah. him. He's like, I can't. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, he was the third born. They we were used done all our things. names on the elder ones. Yeah. <laughs> also, all three of these men are in the Harry Potter series. So yeah. we've got Ray Fiennes as Voldemort. We've got uh, Brandon Gleeson as uh, Mad Eye Moody and. Colin Farrell comes back in the um, new ones, the the unusual, Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, Fantastic oh, Beasts. Oh, I was gonna say because I haven't, I will. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he comes into that universe. Okay, I mean, yeah. I think eventually every British person will be in a Harry Potter. I movie. mean, <laughs> it's just a matter. Maybe of one time. day we'll find out who wrote those, but until then, it's just anonymously written. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who can remember? Well, never heard of her. <laughs> It's hard not to talk about Harry Potter because you do see Mad-Eye Moody whenever you look at Brendan Gleeson. I see two things. I see Mad-Eye Moody and I see Donald Gleeson because I'm like, how did Donald Gleeson come from Brendan Gleeson? Wait, Dom Hal Gleeson? Yeah. Is that how you say it? Donald Gleeson? Donald. <gasps> yeah. That's his son? Mm-hmm. No. Really? Yeah. I had no idea. He must have married a very attractive woman. Yeah. <laughs> You're blowing my mind right now, Jessica. Really? Yeah. It's pretty mind-blowing. I, now that you point it out, I kind of see some of the, the, the traits. Like You I can, can see, see it a yeah. little bit, but at the same time, you're like, there was some supermodel genes in there somewhere. I was going to say, it's like, how, it's like how Nora Jones came from Ravi Shankar. Like, right. You know that. Did I, I am sorry. Ryan's mind again? <laughs> Everyone. Have I missed out on like, oh my god, celebrity paternity? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I just found out that uh, you know Barbara Streisand was married to Elliot Gould at some point. So like, nothing surprises me anymore. But Jesus Christ, people, can I get some notes once in a while? Anyway, oh my god, let's get so yeah. plot. Let's get real fast. They, these are two hitmen. Uh, hitmen. That's how I'm saying it. Hitmen. Apparently. Hitmen. Yes, I think that's how they would say. <laughs> Good. Okay. Uh, that uh, one of them on his first job, Colin Farrell's character kills a priest, but he accidentally kills a child too. Whoopsie Daisy. The priest played by Syrian Hines. I know. Not enough uh, noise who, made about that. Yeah, I mean he's not a huge, huge actor. Wait, but who like, is that? Uh, he was in that show Rome as Julius Caesar. He oh. was in a season of Prime Suspect with Helen Mirren. He's been in a bunch of stuff, but as, like, smaller bit parts. Okay. But usually not as small as this, where it's just, like, 
one scene and then he's shot several times. I've definitely seen mm. him before. He's a British character actor. I don't know. Okay. I, I yeah. guess I couldn't really. He's probably in Harry Potter someplace. Yeah, probably. Very, very likely. Very uh, likely. As that has like the whole British theatrical society in those yeah. movies. Now that you're but... saying it, that's probably how I know him. But he gets moited and uh, accidentally a kid as well. And that's mm-hmm. so heartbreaking when the kid is like the three things that he's like praying for. Oh, and it's fuck. Like, be yeah. less moody, be better at maths. And I can't remember what the other one is. I wrote it, it down. Let me look. So, okay, Fritz, he has a list because he's going to confession. Right. Which, as a former Catholic, this is a real oh trigger for me. Because when I was a kid, I had to go to confession, and I had to, like, basically make up shit because I wasn't really sorry for anything. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. So I'd, like, make up things to go to confession for. But then I felt really bad for all the kids who would go to confession and really feel like, if I don't confess this, I'm going to hell. This is obviously one of those kids. Because his list is being moody, being bad at maths, and being sad, which is basically like two of the same thing. Yeah. He feels like he needs to confess that he's being sad because he thinks it's a sin. Yeah. That is terrible. I know. Catholicism is the worst. (laughs) It's so fucked up for kids to think about. Like, basically, kids think if they're really Catholic or if they really believe in the shit that Catholics tell them they think basically anytime they're not perfectly happy and doing what Jesus told them to they're going to hell so fucked up and this kid is tiny he's like I don't know five oh I don't know oh you thought younger yeah he seemed very little yeah I know boys always age a little bit slower than girls but here's the thing with this movie I always say I like my dark comedies pitch black this movie made me like reconsider that a little bit because <laughs> i'm like oh we get a little we get a little dark for me here because yeah. like that is sort of like funny too where it's like this kid has no business being in confessional if these are the things he's confessing mm-hmm. like, like these aren't sins these, yeah there's no reason this kid needs to be here for a confessional it's you know yeah. totally tragic but it's also like oh my god how stupid is religion that this kid feels bad about these yeah, things. Yeah, for, for having mm-hmm. normal kid problems. Yeah, so it's like... He's that's... there because his parents made him go. Yeah. No kid has ever been like, I want to go to confession today. Yeah. So I bet that's his like... parents felt really fucking bad about that afterwards. Real quick, Syrian <laughs> Hines is in Harry Potter. I think he plays the young Dumbledore in Deathly Hallows Part 2. Okay. Because oh. that, that's the only one that he's in, and he's billed as Dumbledore, and I know that he's not the regular Dumbledore. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> okay. Uh, he's also Mance Raider in Game of Thrones. Oh, oh that's another thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, um, totally. So, I mean, he's been, he has bit parts in a billion other movies, but those are the, the top things. That yeah. is another thing that every British person has been in. Yeah, if you're, yeah. you're in, you're in yeah. Harry Potter and you're in Game of Thrones. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's just one scene. He's got two, maybe three lines, and then he gets shot several times. But, yeah, so that that was, was Colin, that was Ray's first job, or at least his first job right. working for this crew. Botches it, and, uh,. So Boss sends him to Bruges yeah, to hide out for a little while, or so we think. He doesn't really tell them why. They're actually wondering right when they get there. They're like, why are we here again? Why are we in fucking Bruges? We're just waiting for a phone call to find out, and they think maybe they're there on a job. They don't really know. They're they're in sort of a purgatory, if you will. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, Brendan Gleeson is the kind of... The in-betweeny one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Brendan Gleeson is technically kind of there on a job. as we just, yes. But he, he just doesn't, doesn't know, know that. Yet. Yeah. He, but and, he, but he, he even says, he's like, maybe we're here on a job. Yeah. And it's like, well, one of you is, like... Yeah. And, yeah. Th- I mean, that scene where he finds out that it's a job is like a one I, uh, it's like six minutes. Yeah, it's, it's insane. It's a long one, and especially like if you're just if you're Brendan Gleeson, and like all you're acting with is like a phone. I mean, maybe there was like a recording plane or like someone reading the lines off camera or something like that. But it's like it's largely just him reacting to a phone, like for six minutes. Yeah. Have you been on a canal trip yet? Yeah. Have you been down like all the old cobble streets in there? Yeah. It's like a fairy tale, isn't it? In that place. Yeah. The churches and that. Yeah. Is it coffee? Yeah. So he's having a really nice time. Well, I'm having a really nice time. I'm not sure if it's really his cup of tea. What? Give that man the Academy Award. That is pretty fucking amazing. It is so hard to make phone calls seem realistic in a movie. Seriously. And (laughs) the amount he has to do during the phone call... It's masterful. Like it's the a, emotional arc that yes, he goes through. He's moving through like, ugh, here's fine, I'll go open the door, like da da da. But then like it has to go from that to scared, because he like says, I don't think he was into Bruges. The levels of emotion that he has to go through on his own. Yeah. He's slowly realizing what this phone call is all about. Yeah. I was super impressed. Like that. I, I will say, like, my my attention span kind of ebbed and flowed through this movie, but, like, when that scene was on, I was, like, 100% there for it. I was like, this is fucking crazy good filmmaking. One of my complaints, among many, although I don't have as many as some uh, uh, with three billboards, is, like, that movie just kind of felt like a film play to me. Like, it didn't feel mm-hmm. like a movie. As good as Frances McDormand was, it just kind of felt like she was rattling off, like, a series of monologues. And in this, like, it feels like a movie and, like, the stuff like this where it's, like, this one long unbroken take and him having to go through, like, a series of different emotional states, like, this feels like a movie. Like, it feels different, even though it most scenes are just two people talking to one another. Well, the camera moves all around him, too. Like, it's not Yeah, it goes all through the room with him. Yeah. And takes up, like, different angles and, and things like that. Like jumps on him when he's on the bed, like comes over him. Like it's there's so many things. Like that that scene was, I was very impressed. That's also really impressive if you've ever been in a European hotel room because <laughs> they are, are fucking they... tiny. Oh, <laughs> I love how shitty they are about the place, and I'm like, that place looks nice. Like what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, it seems like a fine hotel room. If you're gonna spend the whole time sightseeing, you don't need a fucking fancy hotel I mean, room. Speaking of making this look like a film. When they're on that boat in the canal, you don't need to do much besides, like, put a camera on a boat and have it, like, move through scenic things for me to be like, wow, this is amazing. (laughs) But, like, ugh, it looks great. It looks so good seeing Bruges from this canal. Like, it makes me want to see Bruges. Like, this this movie kind of romanticizes. Where is Bruges for our listenership? (laughs) Well... Long-time listeners will know that this is a geographical area that Matt and I have problems with, but it's in... <laughs> like <laughs> all geographic areas? <laughs> this is in Brussels, which is north east of France. <laughs> so if you think of where France and, and England meet, the, the, the channel, where it's like that, is right there. Bruges... I believe it's pronounced channel. 
It was right here. It's actually, I looked up Bruges and Dunkirk, which is oh, a movie Dunkirk, you may have heard of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on the uh, northern French coast, close to England, is uh, an hour away from Bruges. Oh, okay. just an Also hour. on the coast. Yeah, wow. you could drive there in an hour. So, very close. Also, I looked up how far it is from The Hague, which is in... Long-time listeners might recall Nether- the Netherlands <laughs> book episode where Ryan and I did not know The Hague, the Netherlands, and the Denmark. Hague, the Hague is a two-and-a-half-hour drive from Bruges. Oh. So, yeah. Also, Paris, if you, wanna, if, if you need to orient yourself that way. <laughs> Bruges is about a three-and-a-half-hour drive from Paris. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We it's assume everyone here is very familiar with Paris ge- in France geography. Right. <laughs> I just Did, which this direction? Area. If you're if I'm in Paris, mm-hmm. where, where do do I go? North, you, south? You go pretty much, pretty much straight north. Okay. A little north, little northeast. So three three hours, <laughs> three and a half north, hours north by northeast. And you'll we'll get me to Bruges. Yeah, you'll be pretty close. Do I need my passport? Absolutely. You're going to okay. be crossing a country border. Mm-hmm. The Flemish are pretty sticky about these oh, things. Oh, they hate it. Yeah, don't, don't, uh, yeah. <laughs> Americans these days, ooh, don't travel. So, don't uh, hold it against me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is this our, this is our transition point into the dwarf? Yeah, uh, sure. I actually, <laughs> by just sheer coincidence, Mark Marin on his podcast today had a Brad Williams, dwarf comedian on. Oh. And they talked at length about terminology and things mm-hmm. like that. And dwarf is okay. Yeah, dwarf is is the the accepted term. This specific comedian uses the word midget in his act okay. and he gets protested from time to time mm-hmm. from the dwarf or little person community. Okay. The super PC term is person of short stature. Uh Boy. dwarf and little person wow. are very very accepted. Uh the way that they sort of related it on that episode is is Mark Marin at least he's like it's like Jew like you wouldn't just say that to someone but like in fine company Uh like midget is okay but like that's not the accepted term okay if unless you have like a close relationship with the person that's not the term to use yeah so dwarf little person person of short short stature if you're being really pc about it i love the payoff of of that in this movie oh yeah it's a good build up (laughs) Because I just thought it was like, this guy just likes little people, and he thinks it's funny. But there's a reason uh-huh. why this person's in the movie. Yeah. It comes back. And, I mean, one of the joys of watching this is just the unfolding. I know that like that's an easy thing to say, but it's like, while... You usually say that about something that's plot-driven. This isn't a plot-driven movie. Like, no, it's, it's it's way more emotional driven and that's different. Like I, I don't feel like the unfolding of emotional drama happens that often. Like you don't want to spoil things because you don't want people to uh miss emotional notes. Mm-hmm. Like usually you don't want to spoil things for people cuz you don't want them to miss plot or story twists. So that's a different way of coming at a movie, and I, I really enjoyed that. I think like the, the the only real foreshadowing that they do is when Ray finds is like... If I had killed a little kid, accidentally or otherwise, I wouldn't have fought twice. I'd have killed myself on the fucking spot. On the fucking spot. I'd have stuck the gun in my mouth on the fucking spot. Spoiler alert, when it gets to the ending and he, he thinks he knows what he sees, he doesn't 
what he's what he's interpreting yeah. what he sees is different from what actually happened and we're just like okay rubber's hitting the road here like is it really gonna happen it does but he hesitates he does he does yeah. but you know if anything he sticks to his principles <laughs> i mean yeah it's a there, mushy area there is a second bit of foreshadowing which i didn't remember the first time and i wonder if it's because i hadn't seen don't look now have you guys seen that you know mm-hmm. long time ago but yeah so at the beginning of the movie, when uh, Ray meets Chloe and she's the the set coke dealer, uh, <laughs> she's like, "Oh, they're filming some dream you know, sequence." Of, and the guys basically, they she says something about like he's it's, influenced by "Don't Look Now." This yeah. is oh. basically a oh, ripoff of oh, that. Oh, that's Nicholas it's not Ray, a pastiche, right? It's an homage. Homage seems yeah. too heavy. It's a nod of the head, right? And the- then I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to spoil everything, but. Uh, the ending of Don't Look Now is very much paralleled to the ending of this movie. Oh, I don't remember the ending of Don't Look Now well enough. I remember bits of it, but also, yeah. real, real quick, this is a movie that I think benefits from having subtitles on. Like, <laughs> I, I think when yeah. I saw this in theaters without subtitles, like their accents get pretty thick, and it's not always clear what they're saying. So for me, I really benefited from having the subtitles on yeah. this viewing. Definitely. Colin Farrell's character gets a little mumbly, I'll say. Especially He's when he gets very drunk. Irish. They're both very Irish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh. I didn't watch it with subtitles, and I got the gist, but I could see that. I could see that yeah. being a, a roadblock for you. Well, I mean, real quick, I, I wanted to rent this from Scarecrow when at all possible. I try and rent things from, from Scarecrow Video, you know, and support the locals. And right now, they have a pretty closed quarantine. Like, you can only come in if you're a donor, like a donor member. And even then you have to schedule it. And then even then they sort of stagger it out. So it's like they, you, you have to make an appointment, but it's like two people can come in from five to five 30 and two people can come in from five 15 to five 45. But it's like, it's like four people that are like staggered in and out. And you have to wear gloves, masks, and you have to wash your hands, no exceptions, entering the place. And then you put plastic gloves on over that. They provide all that. So it's like four customers max at any given time. And, well, and yeah, video know, stores, there's a lot of hands of, of touching. Yeah. yeah, You're definitely picking up things, looking at it, reading it, putting it back. So I get it. They're, they're not being mm-hmm. willy-nilly about it. But they've also closed their uh, computer searches. Like you can't look up something. Mm-hmm. You have to either Fair look enough. it up ahead of time or do what I do and make a game out of it and try and figure out which section it's in. <laughs> so, oh, no, that's so hard at that video store. <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, where would they keep in Bruges? <laughs> so I was like, okay. Uh, my first thought was British. And I was like, okay, they, they have their British stuff split out into British comedy, British comedy TV, British drama, British drama TV. I was like, okay, well, it's not the TV stuff. Check the comedy. I was like, because it could be comedy. Could be drama. Yeah. It wasn't either of those places. Like, maybe it's Irish. So I went to the Ireland section. <laughs> Not there. I was like, well, I think Martin McDonough's actually Scottish. So maybe they keep it in there. So I went to the Scottish section. Wasn't there. And I was like, okay, well, maybe they keep it in regular comedy. Went to regular comedy. No, not there. I was like, maybe regular drama? Nope, not there. I was like, you know what? They got all their Christmas stuff put in one section right now. So I went to the Christmas section. No, not there. But Uh. oh, but it's not in maybe the regular Christmas section because the regular Christmas section is all family friendly stuff. They have off kilter (laughs) Christmas stuff. It's got to be in there. Employee stuff. 
And I go over there. It's not there what either. The and I'm like, and I'm like, okay, do I succumb to it and ask an employee for help? Uh, I was like, but first, let me look on their website. And I look on, oh, yeah, on their look, website, on and it says that it should be in Ireland, like foreign subsection Ireland. Okay. And I was like, but I already looked there. So I looked again, wasn't there. But their website doesn't reflect the most current placing of things. So, like, if I were to look for uh, the untouchables on their website, it would say that it's under Brian De Palma. But as both Ennio Morricone and Sean Connery have died recently, they keep it in... They have Dead. multiple copies, but they keep it in their uh, uh, R.I.P. sections. Oh. So I was like, maybe there's a section in the store that I'm not seeing that imbruges in. So I just kind of do a quick walk around, and they had a section, a spotlight section, called uh, Christmas Crime and Horror. So it was all the, like, wow. the horror and crime movies that take place on Christmas were in one section, and that's where In Bruges was. Perfect. Oh, me. Perfect. <laughs> My God. But that's, like, where your Die Hards, your Long Kisses Goodnights were, Die Hard 2, mm-hmm. a bunch of horror movies that I had no idea took place on Christmas. Like, they were all just, like, in one section. So. Oh, did you take a picture of that section? Uh, that uh, no, maybe oh, next week. I'll, I'll, Please do. Yeah, put ne- it up. Yeah, yeah, next week so I can post it, like, it. places. But, yeah, so it took me a little while, but but I found the damn thing. That's really funny. they had three copies of it. I was like, I know it's here someplace. <laughs> well, yeah, so, okay, I mean, maybe this is a good time to transition. Like, I was thinking, like, how Christmassy is this movie? And by that I meant, like, how important is it that this story take place during Christmas? And I kind of went back and forth, but ultimately I landed on, like, you can't put this movie any other time. Because, like, when I think about the sort of religious, macabre, big story elements of this story, child killing, guilt, like, redemption, think all those things, like, placing it in a city that's you know the most well-preserved medieval city at christmas time like i just like it really drives home the sort of like what's the word i'm looking for i can't i can't the only thing i can think of is like medieval but like well like brendan gleason makes a big deal about like they go to that 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 one church that supposedly (laughs) has blood on it that's like the dried blood of jesus and i mean it's not just that, but it's like there's a lot of Catholic guilt in this. Like, it feels very religious, which, you know, if you practice Christmas the way that it was invented to be. Like, well, that's a, yeah, that, that's where I kept going back to. Where I was I like, if, if you think of like. You mid- mean appropriating a pagan holiday? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you think of like medieval Christmas. And but, there's like certain put, shots. Put a pin in the pagan thing. I want to return <laughs> okay, to that. Okay, well, <laughs> new pin. But like, th- there was a sh- there was a specific moment when it all like, you know, coalesced for me. Where it's like, Carter Burwell does the score. Like we should mention that. There's this one shot. It's an establishing shot, and it's like it just shows Bruges, and there's like this like, there's the canal, but there's this line of just like white houses, no trees. Like it's very industrial house looking kind of area and it's like but it's it's playing this very like choral uh you know sort of Christmasy music and i'm just like medieval christmas 
was probably <laughs> like this. Like, it's not this, it wasn't this joyous thing that we think of Christmas now. It's like, oh, we are now, it's the darkest time of year. You go to some like stony cold church and like say, thank you Christ for giving me this horrible wretched life that I live, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, that is prevalent throughout this movie. Like, it's like that feeling of what Christmas is is here in this movie and like I think that that is why it's set at Christmas time because you need that very uh, strict and foreboding dark feeling to overlay this movie to make the, the funny funny like, <laughs> yeah. the, to make the modern elements of it funny and to imbue it with like the drama heft that it needs to me the Christmas element is very important. Like it adds, it just adds a layer to everything. Isn't necessarily a choice that you would make just writing the script, but like adds so much more by putting it in there. I think it's also specifically Catholic Christmas. I think that's an important distinction because Catholicism is particularly about suffering in life so that you can go to the good afterlife and don't fuck it up. And just thinking about how that the parents of that little boy, this will be their first Christmas without their little boy. Mm, I didn't even and think about Ray that. And Ray is alone on Christmas. Like, we don't really know much about his backstory, but he's doesn't have anywhere else to be. Um, and that's always, there's a high suicide rate at Christmas time. And, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then we know a little bit about, what's his name? Uh, oh, Ken. Ken. Ken, yeah. Brandon Gleason's character, Ken. His backstory is that he had a wife and she's dead. So he doesn't really have anywhere else to be either. He's kind of babysitting Ray, who's just this ball of nerves and he's just so raw. And he's basically a child himself. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. There. I mean, I do think that Christmas weighs heavily on this movie. <laughs> well, and like you say, he's, you know, honestly, Christmas is a time for children in a lot of ways. Or, or like- just family in general yeah. like and so the idea that like he's done quite possibly the worst thing that you can do to a family right before christmas it's like you know the it, it, going back to like pagan holidays like that's it's a celebration of light you take like the darkest time of year and it's a, a time when like oh now it's going to be lighter every day is going to be lighter from here on out and like to take this as like this is dark <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't get a lot darker than this. Like, it's just interesting to put it, it like you need to put that at Christmas time because it's like we celebrate and like put up Christmas lights and, and like have celebrations and stuff to combat that. And like this movie sort of leans into the darkness. Yeah. yeah. It's like, how dark can you get at the darkest time of the year? Well, and. That I actually I love. <laughs> let's let's go there. Let's well, see what we can get. Well, like Jessica, you know, said that like you know the w- Christmas is largely just a stolen pagan tradition. And it's like all the stuff that I like about Christmas is basically the pagan stuff. <laughs> like right. I like the tree and the lights. I don't care at all about baby Jesus. Like n- none of the Catholic. Like to me. Christmas is an American holiday. It's not a religious holiday. Like, I never went to Midnight Mass. I never did any of that stuff. 
but I like the sort of tinsel around the holiday, but nothing that has to do with the religiosity of it. Like, I like the spectacle of it, and I like the gift-giving portion of it, and, like, that's all devoid in this movie. Like, it's all about, like, family and <laughs> guilt. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, it, 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 it's like... All the th- all the 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 tinselly parts of Christmas have, have been stripped away in this movie, just to like bring it down to like the bare bones of it a little bit. Yeah, yeah I like what you said about how it was a a European time, a uh, European town that's sort of trapped in amber. They took a snapshot of Christmas at the worst time, right? Yeah. So they're like. This is when we've really made Christmas about suffering and feeling <laughs> shitty and. Really focusing on the fact that this baby is going to get killed when he's <laughs> grown up and he's born to die and all that. Yeah, they yeah. just love to ruin everything, don't they? Those Catholics. <laughs> I mean, that's like the the uh, like the two sides of the Bruges coin, right? Like, it's like, oh, wow, this is the most preserved uh, medieval town in Europe. <laughs> and then you're like, yeah, but it's beautiful for sure. Living here in that time would have sucked. Yeah. Like honestly, it kind of seems like living there now would kind of suck. I like, mean, a little bit. Yeah, like it seems it's like beautiful. a fine tourist town. But like when Chloe's like, "This is my hometown." I'm like, you grew up here. <laughs> this is a town someone like is raised in currently. And then she didn't leave the first second she could. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Okay, so. We've obviously been focusing a lot on the dark elements. This movie's funny. Like, I laughed out loud several (laughs) times. And one of them was, like, just her and Ray's relationship. Like, I love their date, their first date, where he's like, I'll tell you what my job is when we go out to dinner. And she's like, oh, my God, whatever. And she, like, effortlessly cool, like, drops a calling card. And he calls her. They go on a date. And and she's like, first thing she does is she's like, so what do you do, Raymond? I shoot people for money. What kinds of people? Priests, children, you know, the usual. Is there a lot of money to be made in that line of business? There isn't priests, there isn't any children. So what is it you do, Chloe? I sell cocaine and heroin to Belgian film crews. You're a perfect couple. <laughs> I love it. I don't know. <laughs> I think I would have gotten up from that date if I was Chloe. What? <laughs> I did... What? Uh, She's into it. <laughs> Jessica, her... I'm getting hard disagree from Jessica. I'm getting hard disagree from well, Ryan. Well, you don't have to marry the guy. <laughs> no. She's you can just it. see the thing through exactly. the night. <laughs> get a couple I'd... free drinks, have a good time, yeah. She's... get them robbed, <laughs> and uh, call it a night. Yeah, exactly. She's living on the fringe, too. She's like, oh, I got another fringe liver here. Like, let's talk. Let's see. I don't know. He just seems so obnoxious at that dinner. I don't know if I could get my boner up for him. I don't know. <laughs> I think you're wrong, Matt. I think, okay, I'm just going to say you're I've hard never disagreed him. with you more about anything. <laughs> Fine. Wow. You know what? It's good more for me and Jessica. <laughs> yeah. You, you all can Fine. share your Colin Farrell circa 2007. Oh, my God. He's so fucking cute. Yeah. I will, take the, I will take the cute hit man. <laughs> you can go hang out with your boring Canadian people at that dinner table. <laughs> Oh, yeah, those Canadian people suck. Like, I understand, like, it sucks to be sat next to, like, a, a, a smoker in any you're situation. You're in the smoking section. But, yeah, if you're in the smoking section, like, 
I don't go to a fucking like casino here in Washington and be like, uh, I'm sorry, everybody here. Could you like put it out for a little Give while? Give me a break. Like, no, you just gotta roll with no, it. No, that guy sucked. He, yeah, he, he yeah. got what was coming. He kind of deserved it. That's definitely shorthand for an obnoxious person. If you're like making a big deal about someone smoking, Ugh, yeah. <laughs> just let a person live. <laughs> um, honestly, okay, so that scene is a great example of how good the script is because it's like he ends up punching that wife because she brandishes a bottle. Yeah, <laughs> a bottle. Now don't bother. That was a whole thing that was set up earlier. Where he's like, he came at me with a bottle. What are you gonna do? Shot him down. Hmm. In my book, though, sorry, someone comes at you with a bottle. That is a deadly weapon. He's got to take the consequences. I mean, I don't know. How do you feel about that, Jessica? I love that kind of thing. (laughs) That's my favorite thing in a script is when they set something up and then it pays off later. Even Uh, if it's violence against a woman? Like, I don't know. That bitch had it coming. (laughs) (laughs) I I laughed really hard and then something was like, oh, I don't know. Is that okay? I don't know. I don't know. I thought it was funny, too. I laughed. Okay. Good, good, good. I, uh, I just I don't there's like so many things I laughed at in this movie where I was like that's really on the line but I'm laughing so I definitely cringe at a lot of things too but yeah. I was, yeah. it was back and forth laughing and cringing and crying the the movie's odd because it like you know obviously there's hot probs in this movie yeah. but it's it's almost like they're there for you to call them out yeah like he didn't put a dwarf in this movie for us all not to talk about it or think about it. Like, it's there with the explicit purpose that it's it's a conversation piece or that we're supposed to pay attention to it. Um, or the, a racist dwarf. Yeah, yeah racist dwarf. <laughs> but apparently only when he's high. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, that's just coke, man. That's just coke. <laughs> but, but I like that. He's a person, right? He's not sure. just about being a dwarf. He's a complicated person. Right. Sure. But okay. it's like, you know, uh, uh, how many times does Ray call it a gay beer? Uh, yeah, he I mean, uses the R word a lot. Yeah, the R word, <laughs> the M word. He's going through all the alphabets. Mm. That, like, I we think don't he throws think the F word around, too. Yeah, I think so. Definitely. But, but just, again... Good on Colin Farrell for making this character but lovable. I don't, I don't think the, they're there because Martin McDonough doesn't know that these words are off limit. Like I think they're there specifically to draw attention to the character and to like color the character as a certain mindset. Like mm-hmm. he's pushing buttons on purpose. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like. In sort of a, a Tarantino way, but like you know, it'd be one thing if Martin McDonough like, gave himself a role in this movie <laughs> where he was just—he's like, man, fucking midgets, yeah. <laughs> retarded midgets. Oh my god! Like, which is continually my problem with that scene in Martin. Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that's so funny because I was just literally today editing our podcast episode about Jackie Brown, and we oh. go into oh my god, you know Jackie Brown. Jackie I don't know. We had a pee break and We were talking a little bit about things that were set up and paid off. I like the whole thing about the tower. Yes. Yeah. You know someone's going to be having to get down those windy stairs at the end when they talk about going up the windy stairs. You're right. I love that. I love that shit. (laughs) 
Well, and when and he's it, at like the he, top of the tower, he has and the he's, gun, the finger gun. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I mean, but and, so you and, think he's going to shoot someone from the tower, but that's not what happens. Well, and that's what's so fun about that payoff is because like he, it shows him doing the like finger guns at. I think it is actually Colin Farrell down in the square. Yeah. And then when it comes time for him to actually be saying something to him, he gets up in the bell tower and it's foggy, so he can't. Yeah. And it's like, oh. I love that, like, we think this is, like, oh, it's going to pay off. And it doesn't pay off in the way you think well, it's going to. when Brendan Gleeson and, and Ray Fiennes, what's Ray Fiennes' character's name? Harry. 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 When they try and go up in the tower and that dude's like, the tower's closed. <laughs> and, like, the, there's, like, a whole scene. Doesn't the guard guy, like, do finger guns, like, to Harry's head? Yes. Like, the tower's and that's what closed. prompts him to beat him up. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like he does like finger guns and like taps his forehead. And I'm like, oh, like there's a lot of imagery around being shot in the head in this movie. I thought, I also wow. thought that that wow. moment was like Brandon Gleason sort of getting revenge on the guy for not letting him get in for oh, like for five <laughs> yeah. ducats less or yeah, whatever like it was. 10 cents less than what it is. Happy in your work? Probably happy. There was definitely a part of him that's like when he, when it came time to die, he's like, you know what? I'm gonna give that guy some shit because yeah. you know he knew that uh, Harry would not stand for that. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. So he's like, hey, why don't we go to that tower? <laughs> I know it's closing, but uh, the guy will let us in. Like that. I don't know. That yeah. was just my read. No, I that. think you're right. I think you're dead on for that. Yeah. He pro- did not um, like that. <laughs> Real quick on being shot in the head. The. Uh, <laughs> when they show the kid, like when they pull back after the the priest like says like you know the little boy and collapses, and it like shows the head wound. I was like, that's graphic. Oh, it is I, horribly graphic. I was actually like kind of a little shook by like I've seen this movie before, and I was like, oh shit, this is a lot more emotionally hard than I remember it being. Yeah, like. This is actually really unpleasant to watch. That was the moment where both A, I was like, the trailer didn't sell this right. And <laughs> my parents like this movie. Yeah, like, that is odd. Did you did you ever follow up with your father? Or like, did you really like him, no. Rouge? Or did you watch some next, travelogue next video? Next time I call him, I'm going to ask him. I'm going to be like, Dad... Did you ever watch a movie called In Bruges and like it? Yeah. And how many times did you go to the bathroom and not pause the movie? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> what did you miss? Because, boy, this does not seem like something up your alley. Yeah, you don't forget that scene. They really do a good job of showing how fucking traumatic it is to accidentally shoot yeah. a little boy. Yeah. <laughs> I never doubted Ray's guilt. Yeah. Like No, and that's... And, the most and that's heartbreaking really part of that character. Like, as much as of a dirtbag he is, like especially that scene that I was talking about earlier of him talking about, he's like, "Nothing I can do to undo this. Like, I have to live with this, or not." Yeah. And it's like you believe him, like especially after you see that, you're like, "Yeah, this is fucked. Like, this is just your life now." Well, the movie does a good job of like not letting him escape it. Like he tries. By through drugs or sex, sex or various things, but like it always comes back to shots of him just looking sad him or like crying. waking up crying. Yeah. yeah, so it's like or seeing a child and yeah, yeah, like, yeah. or even just, just a little person and being yes. like that looks like a, a yeah. boy and like he knows that he'll never be able to escape this. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that scene in the park. Ugh. 
<laughs> yeah. So well acted by both of those men. It's also, I, lo- it's, I, lo- I think it's so fucked up that he's like, when he's ready to commit suicide, he goes to a playground. That is pretty fucked up. Because it's like, you know, oh. a kid's going to find him. <laughs> well, and he also, does, like, he goes through with it. He did it. I feel like he did it to, like, uh, fan the flames of his depression. Because he's like, oh, I killed a I'm kid. And this kid. In it yeah, this bit. kid's never going to be able to play at this playground or something. Like, he really yeah. wants to feel it so he can blow his brains out. And weirdly, it's funny because it's like, He's going to commit suicide, which would solve both Harry and uh, Ray's. Ray's problem. But he and stops Ken's. him <laughs> because he's like, suicide is not the right route. <laughs> like, yeah. And then it's like, now you've just complicated shit, you asshole. Yeah. Like, oh, no. Ray, don't. Fucking hell. Where the fuck did you come from? I was behind the thing. What the fuck are you doing, Ray? What the fuck are you doing? Nothing. It feels like a trick you'd learn in, like, Screenwriter 101, but it's done so well here. Like, the idea that, you know, you have a suicidal character who also has a hit put on him. Mm -hmm. And the guy who's going to commit the hit sees him about to commit suicide and stops him from committing suicide. (laughs) Because, like, it, you know, as stupid as it sounds, like, there is a difference. Like... Oh, yeah. If he commits suicide versus whether, like, an assassin puts a bullet in him, there's a difference there. And it's like, we as the audience just sort of implicitly understand that difference. But, like, to have the character sort of act out that difference, I think is is both sort of comical and dark. It's like, yeah, he's about to kill himself, and then the guy who's about to kill him stops him, because he's like, don't kill yourself! <laughs> like, it's an inversion of norms that I think plays out really well in a script and like I think it's not the most complex of screenwriting but I think it's done very well in this movie like it doesn't feel like Boondock Saints I think that he's never been I mean I don't I haven't seen three billboards but I did see seven psychopaths and I thought it was entertaining but I don't it, it really remember a, that much about it, it other doesn't than, have a weight the way that this movie yeah. does necessarily so I feel like he hasn't really gotten back to this level since so you haven't seen three billboards but i remember when i asked you you turned your nose up at it well because of the whole oscar buzz that makes me not want to see a movie if they're like oh this there's a racist character in it who's maybe redeemed somehow and we want to give them a reward for it that makes me not want to see a movie okay 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 i'm not gonna go to the bat for three billboards it's odd because like the movie takes place in like the american south and it deals with race relations but it's like an outsider like an irish person been like oh this is what racism in america looks like Mm -hmm. and it's like well not quite (laughs) like yeah He's deaf. Martin McDonough definitely has opinions about America. Did you? I did some. <laughs> I did some extra credit, and I watched his Academy Award-winning short for, for film, Six Shooter. Six Shooter. I love that short film. It's actually very fun, and feels like maybe I don't know the prelude to this movie. Like hmm. I feel like uh, Brandon Gleason could be the same character. Like his wife dies, and. Uh, you know, this is, he's still a hitman. Like, this is just another chapter in his life. Six Shooter feels like the test run for In Bruges. Well, I me. mean, that was the hmm. first, like, movie he'd ever made. Did you see Six Shooter? No. It's streaming for free. I recommend it. it's, like, 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes. But, like, 
it's it's got a lot of the same things. It plays fast and loose with suicide. <laughs> um, animals are killed. Animals are killed spectacularly. Yeah. I'll say in that one. Yeah. But um, it feels like a rough draft of this movie. That is a very common thing to make a short film with some of the same themes and ideas before you make a feature about yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, I, I to me, it's just like all Martin McDonough stuff has the same themes in it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Six Shooter is no different. Now, Six Shooter also has child death now that I think about it. It does, so. yeah. He plays with those same elements and... I even have Honestly, like a- that movie got... That, that short film got similar results for me from In Bruges uh, in that it was so dark that it came around to being funny again okay uh what was something we talked about something where it was like so dark i couldn't get there so dark you couldn't get there <laughs> give me a second hold oh it was the fucking phoebe cates uh oh in gremlins, monologue in gremlins oh, yeah where it was like <laughs> i just i just can't laugh at this Oh, I can. Yeah, that's <laughs> me. I'm that like this, this good on this you. goes so far in one direction that it's just <laughs> funny now. All right. Okay, so I'm the outsider on this one. That's fine. But like he Martin McDonough's stuff like I feel like his at least what I've seen of his lives in that zone of like how dark can I make this and still be funny? That is definitely I mean, what he's playing with a lot of the time. I'm I'm, I'm willing well, to go down that road. Yeah. Like, I love a dark comedy. Even as a protagonist, like, Colin Farrell's not super sympathetic. Yeah. Like, it's not like he's, like, this, you know, uh, uh, assassin with a heart of gold or something like that. Like, he's still sort of a shit-ass. No, yeah, he still kind of sucks. Yeah. yeah. I don't really like him as yeah. a person. And and so, like, the idea that he may or may not die at the end is sort of fitting. Like. Yeah. Let's jump to the end. Well, so like, skip to the end. What do you everyone's think? dying in this movie. Like, Brendan Gleeson gets shot in the leg by Harry. Fucking cunt! Look, I'm not gonna do nothing to you just because you're standing about like Robert fucking Powell. Then shot in the throat, but not fatally. <laughs> and he climbs to the top of the tower and then like jumps off. Ugh. And Susan dead! <laughs> yeah, she still doesn't die. He's like, I'm fucked up pretty bad. Well, because like, yeah. he jumps. Just like legs first, oh my so God. his legs just shatter beneath him. Uh. Everything shatters. <laughs> but you know what? If you're gonna go, because he was, he was loving that tower <laughs> earlier yeah. in the movie. It's like, you know, if you're gonna go, jump off a tower. If you love the tower, if you love the view from up there, I do the feel like place. that is way too sketchy to try for that very reason. <laughs> I yeah. would need. I would never jump from anything. I would die. Um, yeah. <laughs> If <laughs> we're talking about how we're going to do suicide, jumping from something is... You want to be jettisoned into space with no oxygen, right? No! No, Jessica doesn't like space, Matt. <laughs> but it's like assured death. It is, but it's so painful. You're freezing. Listen. Oh my God, no, no, don't even... I don't want to go down this hole, but if we're going to go down this hole, give me a bunch of painkillers. It's killers. pills, it's pills. Pills. Obviously and pills. Down them with a bottle of wine. Get, get a very expensive bottle of wine, a fistful of pills get in your comfy clothes get into bed and like just be done with it but my, my you mom... have to take so many pills though because you don't want anybody pumping your stomach and surviving that shit well, see my mom has told me this for years she's like when i get too old to wipe my ass 
with a bunch of pills, yeah. a bottle of whiskey, and then I'm throwing myself off the side of the boat like that old woman in Titanic should have. Into the water? Come yeah. on. Well, well no, drowning's also very yeah, painful she, she, and traumatic, apparently. Well, she's heard <laughs> that, like, once you've gotten that lung full of water in and your lungs hit, like, equilibrium uh, density-wise, that it's actually very painless. But that's if you... You gotta body get that isn't full rejecting lung in. it. Yeah. Rejecting the and, idea. Uh, yeah. To me, I'm like, I'm not gonna trust the word of somebody you heard. All I can imagine is drowning wise is like getting to a point where like my I can't hold my breath anymore and I try to inhale and I inhale a bunch of water and then I try to cough it out and then I'm just <coughs> but coughing it, but I can't yeah. breathe it, it's in anything. The pills, booze, and water combo. And I was like, you probably got the winning suicide combination. <laughs> In that the trifecta, that, that's the cocktail you want. I'm yeah. just gonna do it on dry land. I don't need. I don't need the water element. <laughs> Fuck that. You yeah. need to be cat food for extreme for the Aww. months that he'll eat Look you. Look at him, <laughs> this precious little baby. Aww. You're not gonna eat any people, are you? <laughs> uh, if I'm 100 percent being honest, like I used to joke about suicide a lot because I used to think it was funny and also like in a dark humor sort of way. But my last partner discovered his cousin who had committed suicide and therefore suicide was off the The, board as a joke for the last seven years. And so I haven't been able to joke about it. And so it was interesting for me to watch a movie that like, and Six Shooter also, like just to see something that like plays so fast and loose with the idea of suicide as funny and I'm like, you know, I love my dark comedies dark. And if you, if you can't laugh at suicide, you're not doing dark comedy right. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. Yeah, all right. <laughs> and so it's like, I personally feel like I have to laugh at something that dark to get through life. And so for me, all the suicide stuff in this is funny. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like newly single and really enjoying. Ready to mingle and ready with to suicide joke about talk. suicide <laughs> with a hot, strapping young lad. You know, I'm not getting a lot of hits in my scruff profile because I say that like suicide is funny, but uh, you know they'll come around. It's just, it's just all the lyrics to the Mash theme song. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought about that when he like crashes and he's still alive. I'm like. Suicide is not painless. (laughs) But uh, I don't know. Like, maybe I'm getting too personal here, but I'm just like, I want to get back to a place where I think that suicide is funny. So, like, I want to get back. Is that, that you've been in the dark for way too long. You need to be brought back to the light. That sounded bad. I I know as soon as I said it, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I do. And you know what else? I think here's, here's my thought about it there will come a time, we all have to die. Right? There will come a time when we're like, we know it's time. I think I've talked about this on my pod. My mom died of cancer and she just wrote it out to the end and never took her morphine. And I would never have done that. I would have been like, as soon as the nurse leaves, hump, hump, hump. Yes, I know. I know. Hitting that button. Just. Yeah. My mom mom was. My mom was a similar story. Like, where. I mean, oh, Jesus. My dad didn't want to give her a lot of painkillers at the end because he wanted her to be there for, 
like be a what? Catholic thing. I like that. I know that's like the yeah. Mother Teresa. Like you need to be present for your suffering. I know. I was just like Jesus Christ, Dad, give her the drugs. It was a struggle. It was a fight, and I hated it. But like, yeah, I'm a hundred percent. I just know after that experience, I'm like, I want all the drugs all the time. I don't want to be aware of my dying at all. Yeah. Once again, it all comes (laughs) back to Thirty Rock for me. But it's like, uh, there is a joke that it's like, uh, do do you you have any like mental illness in your family? It's like, oh no no no, we're clear as a bell to the end, which makes the end all the worse. My (laughs) father died screaming. (laughs) No, seriously. And like, I'm just like, that's not what I want to happen to me. Like, if I have to be out of my mind on painkillers while I'm fading to the afterlife, that's fine. (laughs) Dying screaming isn't going to be what I prefer. Which is why, I I mean, the ending of this movie is so ambiguous and so fun because it's like... Makes me want to watch Don't Look Now again because I don't remember the ending well enough. Mm. Well, he's put on that... He's put on the stretcher. (laughs) You see him, like... He sees the view of, like... In Bruges, like all but these it, gothic, it's also like all the weird characters around him, right? Yeah, and then he gets into the the modern like ambulance, and what does he say? He's like, maybe that's what hell is. The entire rest of eternity spent in fucking Bruges. And I really, really hoped I wouldn't die. I really, really hoped I wouldn't die. I love the ending because it's like it is ambiguous. Do you a want him to die because he's a child killer and he deserves it? B do you want him to survive because he thinks he deserves redemption and therefore does? C do you think he? There's more. <laughs> I'm just drunk at this point. But I like there's there's so many like iterations there that it's like I mean personally for me I assumed he he's dead. He died. He dead. But he got his redemption because at the end he realized like oh I want to live. So you think that he's like going to heaven if Bruges purgatory? Sure, if I don't believe in that shit, but yes, right. But like, <laughs> but like in, in the rules of the movie, he got he got his redemption enough by saying he wants to live. For me, okay. great. Yeah, how the rest of you feel? I'm just so happy to like wallow in the ambiguity. Like, I'm happy mm. not knowing one way or the other. In fact, I kind of prefer it just being a gray zone. So you think he could have survived? I mean, he could have, definitely, but, like, I, I think the movie's stronger if you don't try and imagine what happens after the credits roll. I definitely think that's true, and I also think that a lot of screenwriters use that as a crutch, mm. but I think in some cases it really works, and then this is one of those cases, especially setting it up with the whole purgatory, heaven, hell thing. Because sometimes I think the crutch thing is when they're like, they don't really set it up at all. And then they're like, I don't know. Who knows what happened? We cut early. (laughs) But this case, you really don't know. And it also makes you think maybe he was in purgatory this whole time. Mm -hmm. Well, I like that. He's in a a place he doesn't know. 
it's like medieval yeah. and it, it's also and like some surreal shit and happens. he's just waiting yeah. he's waiting for a call he's waiting it's also yeah. like a neutral space because it's like he hates it but he's sort of a degenerate and brendan gleason loves this place and so does harry and like they keep describing it in surreal terms <laughs> and so like the place is sort of high and low at the same time it's not hellishly bad but it's not good anyway there's pubs you can still get a drink and a bite yeah and you can still get laid and you can find a hot oak and ecstasy it's like it's not all bad (laughs) but overall you're not happy but you know i'd rather be someplace else this is in london i'd rather drive it's not three hours dublin (laughs) by southwest (laughs) and go to paris uh sure but you know it's sort of this neutral zone where they're stuck for an indeterminate amount of time. Regardless, at the end of the movie, he's going somewhere else. So yeah. I guess even whether it's heaven or hell, however you want to look at it, I think that's that's a good ending. Oh, oh, yeah. I, I really like the ending. Yeah, like especially like all the weird mask characters. Yeah, watching him. I mean, well, that and then that goes back. We, he there's this, a lot of time spent at an art museum where he's looking at Hieron Hieron. Botch mm-hmm. paintings, yeah, and like, oh, the gnarly ones for like skins being peeled and things like that. Yeah, no, well, that was somebody else, but like, there's other Flemish paintings. Oh. But, but yeah, that one too. I mean, like, that whole art museum scene just really drives home the fact that they're like in some sort of weird macabre purgatory. <laughs> I also kind of like the idea that they're in not one of the famous museums, you know? <laughs> when you're in a movie, you're like, Hermitage. yeah, exactly. Yeah. You see all the famous paintings, and they're like, no, we're in Bruges, and we're seeing these lesser-known paintings. Yeah, it's not where the Danish museum <laughs> where all the Rembrandts are or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't fail to express the feelings of where they are. Like, yeah. Yeah. I like, I like that we can still get that feel from these lesser paintings. So I'm picking up that you like this movie a lot, Ryan. <laughs> or at I, least had a lot of feels on it. Yeah, I mean, I I had a lot of thoughts. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that all coalesces into a like, but boy, did this movie make me think about a lot of things. And in that respect, I guess yes. I mean, this is like a the house that Jack built. Where in, in oh like, wow in in general. <laughs> Did it make me feel good? A lot good? more family friendly, though. <laughs> did, did it make me feel good about life? No. Only one child murder. <laughs> but, like, you know, I I enjoy a movie that challenges me and makes me think and... But is also entertaining. And this movie is all three of those things. Super. Like, again, I came into it with, with such expectations of, like, my parents think this movie's good and also the trailer thinking like oh this is an easy romp and it's none of those things like boy if, if i had to go back and talk to the advertising people for this movie i'd be like <laughs> lean on the trailer lean into the drama elements that's and not then, gonna get butts and seats though. i know but then like punctuate that that trailer with like comedy elements like because if you're just saying it's a comedy action movie that's misleading prepare people for the darkness somehow yeah like <laughs> yeah. give me give me something because it was none of those things 
How do you feel, Matt? Well, I mean, th this is my second viewing, and, you know, like I said earlier, I've been a Martin McDonough fan for, like, 15 years now, mo maybe more. I I'd have to, you know, I don't remember exactly when I saw The Pillow Man, which is my introduction to him, but it's like, when I saw this in theaters, I thought it was going to be more broadly funny, because, mm -hmm. like, Six Shooter is a little bit more broadly funny. And Seven Psychopaths definitely is. Yeah. And, like, the plays that I had seen also were... And this is a lot more mature. And watching it this time, like, it's... it's. I don't want to say that it's aged well, because that makes it feel like it's not of its time. Like, that... Or that it was ahead of its time. It's just... I feel that, that I've aged. And <laughs> that my expectations were the mo for the movie were different. And I got so much more out of it specifically like the two scenes that we've talked about one the one are with brendan gleason where he's talking on the phone with harry and then the other one being where colin farrell is like talking about how like this can't be undone like i live with this now when i saw the movie in theaters i was expecting something more openly sardonic and it's not that like it's much more serious than that yeah and it deals with guilt in this hugely realistic way that it, it's you know you don't move on from guilt you move forward with it and sometimes you don't and like that's what this movie really portrays so yeah something we haven't even talked about is the fact that he so his hit his first hit was this priest and he never knew why he was supposed to kill the priest. He was. He just and, assumed, as we all would, that he was a molester of some kind. <laughs> but it turns out, Harry, the boss, is also some sort of a real estate guy. And the priest had something to do. He was in, getting in the way of some real estate <gasps> deal that he wanted to do. I didn't even oh, so it actually that. turned out that the priest wasn't even bad. that bad. I mean, at least not in terms... They didn't know we, of anything bad. How... How does it... Because I definitely got the implication that, like, the priest, like, wasn't, you know, a drug dealer or, or, or human trafficker I forget or where it comes up, but it's just some bit of dialogue where they're, like... Uh, where Harry admits that he was just in the way of some deal. Oh. That's terrible. Yeah. It's really terrible. I mean, <laughs> I definitely hated Ray Fine's character, but that... He's not I mean, a you're good supposed person. to hate him. Right, <laughs> yeah. I know, we're supposed to, but it's, like... I think I just maybe picked up on that that vibe where it's like you're just an ass. Yeah, he's got a very strange moral code, right? He's like, <laughs> I can kill people for no good reason, but not a kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then when he does, even though it's not a kid, he which, still commits suicide. But which is I mean, funny. He never knows it's he not a kid. He knows that it's not a kid, yeah. though. But that's okay. So this is why I love happiness. Like this is the sort of thing I love in that movie where it's like he thinks that killing a kid deserves death and so he accidentally kills a dwarf a little person who he thinks is a kid and therefore that's enough to commit suicide and like that is the kind of dark humor i live for <laughs> i that part of the movie i'm like Mwah. Well, that is that is perfect to, dark to, comedy. to go back to foreshadowing because like, there's the scene where he's like trying to get bullets uh, the dum dums, like, the dum dums, yeah. doom dooms. <laughs> yeah, we haven't even talked about that guy. Uh, doom dooms, live rounds, and he's like, these are the ones that will like make a head explode. Uh -huh. And like, that's like, 
That's uh, a Kaufman's uh, chimpanzee right there. <laughs> that's middle of act two that we get that. And then it's like, oh, he, he shoots this dwarf in the head. And then there's no head to see because the head explode because mm-hmm. way back, like 40 minutes ago, he specifically got the, the bullets that make your head explode. And that is the kind of dark humor I am here for. <laughs> I love shit like that. But, and I mean, I think Ray Fiennes is a great actor, English patient aside. Yeah, you don't like the movie? I hate it! Grand Budapest Hotel is my favorite Wes Anderson movie, and it's largely because of his performance in it. And that moment where he's looking at the body of the dwarf and you see him being like, you know, it it was just earlier today that I was talking about right. that, that he's if like, I well, did this, damn, here we go. Yeah. And he's like, here's where the rubber meets the road. So <laughs> here we go. And he kills himself. And it's like, you see all that in his face in that moment. And it's sort of like, is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? He does it. And I don't know. It's like. It's a movie that, like, it, it it foreshadows just right. Like, we know all this stuff. Like, that seems only impactful because he talked about, if he killed the kid, that he would just stick a gun in his mouth and end it right then and there for him. And we're not expecting that to actually happen because there's no kids in the movie. And we don't even think that the dwarf could be doubled as a kid. And yeah. then it happens, and it's like, oh, this is all these things that we've been talking about through the whole movie colliding right here and there. And it's like, is he actually going to do it? And he does it. And it's like, it's a very payoff climax because it's actually like the things they've talked about in the movie colliding at once. You've got to stick to your principles. And Ray tries to stop him. Yeah. He tries to explain he, he's like, no, a little no. bit. He's yeah, like, it's not what you think. I don't, he does a shit job of it, but yeah. that's interesting. He's been shot through the lung. Lay off. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Like, this guy was going to kill him, yeah. and he's like, don't kill yourself. It's not what you think. There's a weird value of human life in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> all about hitmen and child murderers and priest killers. Like, Not to mention the whole thing that Harry is a family man. Yeah. He's got this whole family. The yeah. funniest line, which I think was in the trailer, maybe. I don't know. I re- you're, an ana- you're an inanimate fucking object. <laughs> yeah. When he's beating the phone and his wife is like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> She's so like Michelle Pfeiffer married to the mob. And I'm like, there was, there was definitely a part of me where I was like, I want to know more about her. <laughs> Wait. Michelle Pfeiffer in Married to the Mob or Michelle Pfeiffer in the family where she's married to a mob boss? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we haven't emphasized it enough, but like the script in this, this is a great script. Fantastic script. The amount of of payoff we get at certain scenes and like, I'm just, I'm very impressed with the writing. It also has like the Demi like close up of faces. Like I just (laughs) noticed that like Colin Farrell, like we're getting serious close-ups of his face when he's delivering monologues. Maybe that's why I appreciated his performance so much. It's is that like, so expressive. He yeah. does so much with his eyebrows. Oh, well, they're so thick. Yes. <laughs> also, I think like, at one point, they just form a perfect triangle. 
I don't he, even he know just, how he does he, that. He also just gets to be Irish. He just gets to speak his Irish, his real That's accent. That's true. I don't and you're think like, he does that in any other movie. He just gets to be a wee Irish lad. I mean, He's from Dublin. Was that your Irish, Matt? <laughs> Doesn't sound Australian. I knew eventually we'd all do Irish accents. <laughs> Was, was that your? <laughs> we'll finish out the episode doing our lucky charms. Was that your Irish, Matt? Born <laughs> and raised in Dublin, my father was Bobby Sands. Bobby Sands, you say? He wouldn't eat those lucky charms. He wouldn't. Oh, the charms! The charms are too much for you, you say? I really okay. I love this Irishism where they end any sentence with "and that." Is that I an really Irishism? Like, well, at least I think it is. Yeah, and Brendan Gleeson does it a lot. And that and he's that. like, it means etc. Basically. Oh. oh. But is my favorite line that he says that? is that he's going to go up to the the Jesus thing, and he says, "I'm going to go in the queue and touch it," which is what you do. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna open the queue and touch it. I think that's great. That's a very good, just overall, you know, definition of Catholicism. It's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the religious aspects of this, again, going back to like the medieval parts, like to set it in Bruges, is like, you know, you if someone kills a kid, I don't know. There's, I can't get out of it. Like, I have to kill him. Yeah, like, does that make sense? They're yeah. they're talking about like where does the buck stop if it doesn't stop with him, and it's like, it's like I don't I don't I like if I was in Brendan Gleeson's shoes I'm like I don't know if I could go and kill my friend like this but it's like I don't know Carl makes a good point. Like, he can't. It's like, he it's, cannot yeah. do it. He can't, it's just he tries, such he a hard line that like nobody is like you know it was an accident. I don't like, know if that's a good enough excuse. Like, I don't know, but like, you know. Boy, if it was... It's just interesting because they're all murderers. Yeah. <laughs> so that's well, why... Yeah. I mean, anybody else making that argument, right? this like, guy's got to die because he killed the kid, sure. But these people have all killed people. Right. Where, like, where's the line In fact, he's for the, professional murderers? Ray's the only one who has only killed two people. <laughs> Everyone yeah. else has killed who knows how many. Yeah. I mean, uh, Ken talks about, like, how he felt bad for killing the one guy who came at him with a bottle. But it's like, you know, we don't know how many people he's killed, but, you know, probably a lot. And, like, he feels bad about this one, but he's like, I know in my heart that it's, I did the right thing. He could have killed me, and I was, it was self-defense. But, you know, he still kind of has to, like, justify it to himself. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that what Catholicism is? It's just Justifying. a lot of rationalizing. <laughs> Seriously. I feel like this, actually, the heart of this movie is just an indictment on Catholicism. <laughs> that's my. <laughs> and that's why it's the best Christmas movie of all time. Okay, so there was an exchange that I wrote down that I thought was funny at the time, and it was, I, was he? Did he say to Chloe? It was Ray to Chloe, I think. Do you speak English? And she said no. Right. Which no. I thought was funny at like the catering table. Yeah. 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 And then the weirdest fucking thing happened to me. <laughs> this is crazy story. A guy knocked on my door. <gasps> 
my son was on a break from school and he was playing with Legos in the middle of the living room and somebody knocked on the door. He thought it was a Christmas package because that's the only person that knocks on the door now is delivery people. And so he went to open it and it was this guy standing there with his mask below his mouth. And he was like, uh, and he looked very confused. So I could tell he was in the wrong place right away. So I ran to the door, got a mask, started talking to him. And he asked me in French, do you speak French? And I don't, but I understood him asking me that. Like, I knew what he was saying. Did he say, vous parlez français or tu parles français? I don't remember. Uh, uh. <laughs> but I knew it was There's one a formal or informal? There's a difference. Yeah. But as you're about to see, he was trying to get pretty informal because yeah. he said, so I said no, and he went, uh, he looked around, he was like, mm, mademoiselle, massage? Huh? And I was like, mm, are you looking for a certain house? What address are you looking for? And he went, uh, mademoiselle, s'il vous plaît, sex? <laughs> and I said, no, 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 no. What? <laughs> and the whole time he was like looking over my shoulder at my son playing behind me. And I'm like, you're definitely in the wrong place. I've had a lot of weirdos knock on my door over the years, but this was by far the weirdest. <laughs> and I was, he immediately, after, you know, after those two exchanges, he was like, okay, bye. <laughs> but I was just like, wow, wow, what? <laughs> There's just so much here to unpack. Like, well, yeah, like the, the kid part didn't immediately put him off of like, <laughs> oh, wait, this isn't a brothel. I like he still had to ask the question. Oh, you, like brothels don't have kids. He was like, I'm in the wrong well, place. The I door? think I might be in the wrong place, but just in case, I'm going to ask anyway, because maybe she can put the kid somewhere. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I just watched the Florida Project. There are kids in brothels. Yeah, it was weird. And anyway, I think one of my neighbors might be running a brought a lot of her house which more power to her but she needs to be more clear about her address yeah <laughs> i'm assuming it's a woman because he said mademoiselle <laughs> give a heads up to your neighbors at least Ooh, i have to talk to my neighbors now i don't know <laughs> <laughs> well i just meant like if you are running a brothel just sort of be like i would love it if you like post that it dear sir or madam <laughs> if you are running a brothel please pinpoint your location on Google Maps more clearly. Yeah, this should definitely be a post on Nextdoor. That yeah, we'll- <laughs> that's what I was going to say. That's a Nextdoor thing. But I just thought it was super interesting that like at first I was like, that's a really funny exchange of, do you speak English? No. And then I did perfectly understand this man who was speaking French to me asking if I spoke French, even though I don't speak French. So it's you, th- you know more foreign languages than you think. <laughs> is my point, I guess. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. yeah. And also, I had to tell that story because it's so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, okay. I want to hang out some more if you're yeah. up for it. Yeah. yeah. Great. But let's end this pod by uh, talking about what we're going to do next week, Matt. <laughs> Christmas will have happened. Yeah. Now it's time for something new. Yeah, it, it, it was a hard one to choose because part of me wanted to do a New Year's movie, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but uh, so I wanted to do Strange Days, but it's like, it's not quite New Year's, it's too soon, so I think that's going to have to wait till next New Year's. <laughs> uh, one day I'll watch that movie. This is one I, ha- I can't watch until Matt says to <laughs> <laughs> Also, Ray Fiennes. Uh, yeah. Oh my god, I fucking 
fucking love that movie. So I'm still doing a Christmas movie <laughs> next week, just Great. to be basic. Well, it's December. Um, just because part of me is feeling like we've been doing this for a couple years now, many years, and four. I, I'm I'm getting to the point where I'm like. If I were to die tomorrow, if I were shot in Bruges and wheeled on to an ambulance... Wishing like, to live. What would I be like, oh, I should have done this movie? <laughs> uh, I would feel bad if we didn't do Batman Returns. <gasps> oh! Shit! Can I come back next week? Oh, yeah, you can. Oh, girl. Like, I don't want to speak for Ryan, but yeah, if, if you're free... Yeah. Get over here. This time next week. Oh Get over here. Come over. <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman is, like, was fucking iconic for young me. I mean, <laughs> we're going to talk about it next week, but like, I think I've actually talked about this on the podcast before. There's debate over who's the best Batman. There's debate over who's the best Alfred, the best Commissioner Gordon. But when it comes to Catwoman, it's like there's Michelle Pfeiffer... And then Eartha Kitt. You know, Eartha Kitt's good, but then there's everybody else. Yeah. But, like, this Catwoman is the definitive Catwoman. I'm getting to the point where I'm like, I need to stop pushing back these movies that I love because they're not convenient. I need to start doing the bucket list movies. It's also going to be a movie that we talk about how I saw it inappropriately young. Also, I saw uh, it in theaters. I would have been eight, nine you're like, either, shit. Inappropriately young. Inappropriately huh? young. My kids have already seen that one. <laughs> this, I know I know for a fact this movie was released during the summer, and uh, your other Christmas pick this, this year oh, was Gremlins, which Gremlins was also, was also during summer. the summer, yeah. But they're definitely Christmas movies. Like, if I'm going to die, yeah, if, I, if I'm doing the, the Russian roulette, <laughs> I don't want to be like, shit, why didn't I do Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, the Dream Master. I'd be happy to talk Warrior. about Warrior. That. That's three. <laughs> oh, is that three? Dream Warriors. Dream War- oh yeah. shit! Fuck. <laughs> Wait, which one has uh, Patricia Arquette in it? That's three. That's three. That's three. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we saw that one in theaters together. That's right. I've only recently seen four. I've only seen one through four. So. Oh, you didn't. You didn't. We'll talk about it off pod. We don't need to record this. <laughs> hey, how about now? Let's plug our junk and get the fuck out of here. If you. Will- I want to give our guests the chance to plug their junk first. Oh, thank you. I have huge junk. (laughs) I've seen it. (laughs) Everybody has. (laughs) So personally, I've got Tubaxter, T-E-H-B-A-X-T-E-R on Twitter. I have Paid and Puke Podcast available on every major podcast apparatus that I'm aware of. Highly recommended X-rated stamp of approval. Yeah. That just means everything to me. And then our Insta is Paid and Puke Seattle and our Twitter is Paid and Puke Pod, I want to say. And uh, then you can just see everything I do on JessicaBaxter.com. Oh, and I also write reviews for HammerToNail.com. That's a movie review site. I will just say, if you like this pod, you're going to like whatever Jessica has to say because I feel like she's our sister and she just really uh, she gets a vibe and I don't know you're on the same wavelength yeah so we love you love you guys always always love you if you want to listen to more of what we have to say we got Twitter X-Rated Movies Facebook Rated X Movies email x.rated.movies at gmail.com 
We have Patreon if you want to give us money. I was going to say on the sort of topic of coin, to put it in Isabella Rossellini terms. Uh, yeah. That's where you'll get more of us if you if, if the regular feed isn't enough. Jessica is actually an extra. Oh, yeah. You pay to, yeah. to listen to extra <laughs> yeah. things. So... Um, is it worth it? Is it worth whatever oh, you're paying? Okay. And she's yeah. on a Patreon episode. Right now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about that? It's like I'm making money. <laughs> Other than that, for free, you can leave us love wherever podcasts are found. Yeah. And also leave love for Pete and Puke. Go give them a review and some stars. They deserve it. Someone uh, uh, messaged you about our Love Actually episode? Yes. Several people. Uh-oh. <laughs> and uh Jessica was one of them. <laughs> but uh yeah, people people are, are checking in. Um, I agreed, but for the record. Ah, <laughs> With sucks. everything you said, movie it's fucking the fucking worst. I Ugh. hate it. Yeah. I listened to our episode and I was like, Yeah, I hate this movie. Yeah, I don't That's remember right. what I said about it, but like the reaction has been like this movie sucks. Ugh. I was literally punching a punching bag while listening to that episode. Nice. Oh. It was fucking great. Oh, you talked about that punching <laughs> yeah. bag on the Girl Fight episode. <laughs> I highly recommend buying a punching bag for quarantine exercise. It is so <laughs> cathartic, I can't even tell you. Nice. Um, well, anyway, next week, Batman, Batman Returns. Returns. Um, thank you again, Jessica Baxter. Thank you. We love you. It's my pleasure.